<laughs> oh, gosh. Well, hey, it's good to be back. Uh, thanks for letting me take a little break. I was realizing this morning, this is my first time back in the pulpit in 2021. So um, thanks uh, for letting me just think about the Lord and do some things that were important to the life of our church. And um, I'm thankful for that. I have a question for you as, you as we begin this morning. Have you felt anxious during 2021 or 2020? Anybody? Your, your anxiousness has gone up a little bit in this past year. Well, I think we all have. And I think the amount of stress that we've all been dealing with during this COVID season has caused all of us to have more anxiety. We've been working from home helping your kids through school, remembering to bring a mask everywhere and wear it, thinking about other people's health and my own, wondering, am I going to lose my job, doing school online, and it stinks. You don't get to see your families and friends like you want to. Maybe you didn't get to say goodbye to a family member like you wanted to that passed away in 2020. Maybe your wedding wasn't what you wanted it to be. In your mind, you had this great idea of a grand wedding with all your family and friends, and you could only invite 50. Maybe uh, you're just upset that you haven't been able to go to any live sports. And maybe you're a senior this year. Maybe you're a senior in high school or a senior in college, and you're like, man, I thought my senior year was going to be awesome, and it's just not going as well as I thought. I think there's lots of reasons, plenty of reasons, why we all, during this COVID season, have had lots of anxiety. And maybe for some of us, there's been weeks where it turned into a full-blown depression. I want to spend the next three weeks talking about anxiety, because one of the things we've noticed through uh, this COVID season is for all of us, anxiety has gone up. Statistically, it's gone way up, and statistically, uh, everyone in our culture is really dealing with it. I was talking to a counselor in our church recently, and I asked her, how's your business going? And she said, it's booming. Every counselor she knows in all of town, in all of Spokane, in all of eastern Washington and northern Idaho is full every single day because our anxiety is up. What does God have to say about that? What's God say about our anxiety? I want to talk about that. And so I'm going to preach three, three messages, and the, the series is called Stuck, Mastering the Control of Anxiety by Living in God's Peace. And we're going to get this series from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. So if you want to turn there with me, you can. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. And these three very simple verses have a lot to say about anxiety. And they challenge us to live in God's peace, not to be stuck in anxiety. Now, this is important because God doesn't want us to be stuck in anything, especially to be stuck in anything negative, unholy, or evil. He knows what those things do to our lives and the hurt that they cause the, the pain that becomes a part of our life as we're stuck in a mental, physical, or emotional unhealth. And before you know it, we're, we're out of the race of life. We're stuck on the sidelines wondering, how did I get here? How did I end up here? And I'm struggling, and I just want to get back into life. And I want to get back into what I should be doing. 
So I want you to know this morning, if you're stuck, these next three weeks are going to be really important for you because God's got some definite things that he wants to speak to you and he wants to say to you. He wants to give you answers for where you're at and how you're stuck. For the rest of us, we all experience this. We all experience moments where we're stuck or we're just like, you wake up in the morning and you just say, I just don't want to go do anything today. I just want to stay in bed. I want to binge The Mandalorian on, TV, on, my, on Disney Plus, and I don't want to do anything. We've all been there, especially during this COVID season. But that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to be stuck. And that's not to say that watching The Mandalorian from beginning to end is a bad thing. But <laughs> he doesn't want us to be stuck in negativity or bouts of anything. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into Philippians chapter 4. Jesus, we thank you so much that you left heaven and came to earth. You died on a cross and you rose again so that we would be free. You did not do that so we would be stuck. You did that so we would be free. And you want us to live in that freedom every single day of our life. And so we pray that you would show us the promises that are in these three little verses, how powerful they are, and how they can change our life forever as we focus on you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whew! There is a lot packed into those three little verses. And we're going to take the next three, ver three weeks unpacking these three verses and the first thing I want us to talk about this week is this first phrase, do not be anxious about anything. Now, here's what's interesting. When I asked you if you had been anxious about anything in 2020, every single one of us in the room raised our hand. We all said, I'm anxious. So here's a verse that says, do not be anxious about anything. So I, I would begin to wonder, is the Bible out of touch? I mean, is the Bible out of touch with our lives? Because we're all here. We're all anxious. So is the Bible just this old, archaic book that just is out of touch? I began to ask myself a different question. And I think it's a question that we can begin with, but it's a question that is incredibly important to our lives, and it's this question. Is the Bible out of touch with our reality? Or are we out of touch with God? Good question, huh? Is the Bible out of touch with us? Or are we out of touch with the power and the promises that are in this book? Now, that's a rhetorical question, isn't it? We know the answer. The answer is we're not in touch as much as we should be with God's word. Because God says, I can remove your anxious heart and mind. 
Now, this isn't a formula, okay? This isn't a do one and two and three and you're good. That's not what this is. This is a lifestyle. This is about learning to rely on God. It's about thinking differently about some things we're going to look at over the next three weeks. It's about understanding who God is and who you are. And when you fully understand that and fully comprehend it and understand everything that God says in his word for you, then you will begin to live in, a, in the peace of God in a way that you've never understood before. And you'll realize that you're not living in anxiety anymore. You're living in peace. And it just happens naturally as you draw closer and closer to the Lord. Let's talk about this word anxious for a minute. It's the Greek word merimna. Merimna is the Greek word for anxious. This word is also translated throughout the New Testament as worry or concern. They're all kind of lumped together. Anxiousness, worry, concern. And what I want us to really capture here is I don't think God is talking about the low-grade anxiety or the little type of anxiety. And we might even say the positive anxiety, I'll get to that in a minute, that you and I deal with on a regular basis because there's positive anxiety and negative anxiety. I'll talk about that in a minute. But there's, there's things that can happen in our life where we end up stuck in negative thinking. I think that's what God's talking about here. He's talking about when you and I get so anxious and let our minds get so caught up in what's happening in the world that before we know it, we're caught in a cycle of negative thinking. And that cycle of negative thinking begins to propel us to respond to life's situations in a negative way, in an ungodly way, maybe even an evil way. Now, because of that negativity, we end up stuck, consumed by anxiety. God's not consuming us. The Holy Spirit isn't running our life. The anxiety is. And that's what God's talking about here. Don't be anxious like that. See, it's normal for you and I to have an anxious thought now and then. It's, it's normal for that to happen. It's not normal to be completely consumed by it. This is why verse 8 says to think about things that are what? True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Those are all the opposite of the anxious thoughts that we let just kind of fester and get on the hamster wheel, aren't they? Let me give you a definition from a counselor in our church that she gave me. I thought it was a great definition of anxiety. It is a triggering of the flight or fight nervous system. Uh, let's do a quick, um, quick survey here. How many of you are flighters? You're runners. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a runner. When you get to the end, okay. how many of you are fighters? Okay. All right. So the rest of you didn't raise your hand. So you're perfect. Okay. So we'll move on. Those of us that raised our hands, the rest of this week's are just for us. Um, the triggering of the flight or fight nervous system that gets set off and causes automatic reactions. What we do when that system gets activated determines if we will have problems or not. We can deal with it biblically or try to cure it with addictions or get in a cycle of the negativity we never get out of and we amplify it 
and end up stuck in anxiety, depression, phobias, etc. See, anxiety can be positive or it can be negative in our lives. We know as believers, or at least I hope you know, that God can do anything. Amen? Amen. God can work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He can even take a negative thing in your life and turn it into a positive. He can take the worst thing in your life and turn it into a ministry. He can take the thing that you hate the most, and when you come to know Christ, you begin to love it the most. God can do anything, right? So God can even use our anxiety to get us out of negative thinking. He can use it to move us toward a positive response that brings about healthy living and healthy thinking and godly and biblical living in the peace of God. But if you always think of low-grade anxiety from a negative point of view, you'll always end up stuck. Let me give you some examples. I want you to think about anxiety from a positive point of view just for a moment, okay? Think about anxiety from a positive point of view. Students in the room, students watching, if you're hanging out on Tuesday and this thought, maybe it's a low-grade anxious thought comes into your mind, you have a test on Friday. Or that 10-page paper is due on Friday. What do you do? Well, you start studying. You start writing the paper, right? That's what you do as a student. That's a positive example of how a low-grade anxiety can get you to do the right thing. Another one, you're sitting at work and you begin to think about your electric bill. A little low-grade anxiety. You start to think about your electric bill. You're like, hmm, why am I thinking about my electric bill? What's that going to prompt you to do? Well, when you get home, you're going to double-check whether you paid the electric bill. That's positive anxiety. It'll lead you to do something positive. Now, if you spend the rest of your workday, five more hours, doing nothing because all you can think about is your electric bill, you're stuck. You're stuck. And you need the peace of God to help you get unstuck. One more. If you walk in a room, and there's several people in the room already, and across the room, you see someone you don't like and your anxiety goes up. Right in that moment, you have an opportunity. Am I going to live biblically as a Christian and do what God tells me to do with that person and love them, accept them, and forgive them? Or am I going to choose to be angry, show my hatred, and start gossiping about that person to the first person I can find that will listen to me? Or just choose to leave the function altogether. See, right in that moment, you and I have a choice. And God's doing something right in that moment. If we can see that low-grade anxiety from a positive point of view to say, God wants to heal something in me right now. He wants to work something in me. The Holy Spirit's doing something right now. And I need to notice that as an opportunity to let God do something in me. I want to talk the rest of this morning about two reasons that we are often anxious. Two reasons that we get stuck in anxiety 
and two things that make, make us anxious a lot. And I want to use two biblical references for that. The first reason is because we don't understand God fully. The number one reason I think that we often get anxious is because we don't understand God fully. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 with me. Now we've been reading in our 77-day Bible challenge. We've been reading through the Old Testament, finding lots of things. And uh, 1 Samuel was one of the books that we read already. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have one of the most famous um, stories in all of Scripture. And I want to point some stuff out to you about how you and I often don't understand God fully. This is the story of David and Goliath. This is the moment when David, who is a little boy, let's, let's just for fun, let's call him a middle schooler, could we? Just, just for the sake of fun, because he's not old enough to fight in the army, so he's probably somewhere in that middle school to high school age, but I just think it makes the story funner to say he's a middle schooler. Uh, so let's say David, this young middle schooler, he's just hanging out, he's watching the sheep, you'll remember, he's not old enough to go fight in the army, so he's really disappointed, he wants to hang out and fight in the army, but he's not old enough, so he can't. So he's at home watching the sheep, the older brothers are in the army, they're hanging out with Saul, getting ready to fight the Philistines, and David's dad comes to him and says, hey, I want you to bring some supplies uh, to your brothers, and I also want you to give some of this really cool, nice stuff I uh, I. I barbecued some ribs, and I want you to take them to the captain of the guard so that he'll make sure not to put your brothers right in the front of the line where they'll get killed, put them kind of in the back of the line, and uh, so we'll still, you know, have brothers when they're back from war. And so David says, okay, Dad, I'll go. David shows up, and he goes, and this is the scenario that David encounters. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, on hearing the Philistines' words, those were the words of Goliath, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Look at verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, the man Goliath, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, let me point out the obvious here. The army and all of the men are anxious. And we would say they don't understand God fully. They're terrified. They're consumed with fear. When they see their problem in front of them, what are they doing? Flight. They're out. They're running. It says that they are fleeing from him in great fear. Their biggest problem is the thing they're running from the most and it's causing them fear and anxiety and worry, and probably a lot of them are in depression. David shows up with a completely different attitude. Look at verse 32. In verse 32, David says this. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, You are a middle schooler. What are you talking about? <laughs> you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. And don't forget, he's nine feet tall. You don't even come up to his knee. But David said to Saul, listen to this mindset. 
Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because, and here's the key, he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Did you notice the mindset? He's not even scared. He's not even afraid. In fact, he's angry that someone defied his God. He's angry that someone is talking about his God in a wrong way. And so he's going to go do something about it. And he does. Look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Boy, there's a powerful statement there. See, what do we often do? We often look at the things we can see with our eyes, and we think they're the most powerful, swords and spears and javelins. But David understood something more powerful in his heart and in his mind. That's why he said to Saul, what? Don't lose heart. Because there's something in my heart, there's something in my mind, there's something in my spirit that is so much more powerful than that loudmouth high schooler. And this middle schooler is going to go open a can of whoop on him. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Will you hear this this morning? The Lord can deliver all of your problems into your hands. The Lord can deliver all of your anxiety. Everything that's not bringing you peace right now, he can deliver it from you. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Whoever thinks the Bible is boring should read this story. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Now look at this for a moment. The entire army is running from their problem, and David is running towards his problem. Why? Because he's got a different outlook in his heart and his mind and in his spirit. He knows God is on his side, so he knows and understands who God is fully, so he can run into any problem. He doesn't have to run from anything. He can run into it powerfully, with courage. Because he knows that God is with him. And you and I need to do the same. Whatever the problem is that you have right now, stop running from it. Start running at it and tell your problem, God is bigger than you. This is so awesome. He reaches into his bag, takes out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down 
on the ground. And then what's even greater, when Saul calls David to come back into his tent, David's standing there holding David's head, or Goliath's head, as some like horror film. Here he's standing, what, what, you've just been walking around with this guy's head for an hour? Look what I got! I mean, this is crazy. The Bible's awesome. Don't you love this? I love the Bible. So many cool stories here. Like, I love this. See, David shows up and says, my God is huge and powerful and fights for me. Who are you? Who do you think God is as they're running away? And the whole army's running away and David's standing there and Goliath's yelling at a middle schooler and wondering, what's that guy doing standing there? See, the army's stuck in anxiety and fear, but David is dripping with faith. <laughs> He's dripping with courage. See, when problems come into our lives, we should say, this is no problem. God's got this. I don't have to worry about this today. Now, there's something interesting about this story, though, that I want to point out. Before David went to the army and went to the front line, and before David heard Goliath talking to him, David already had practice with his anxiety. Did you notice that? He had already had practice from God with his anxiety with a lion and a bear. And so because he had practice with his anxiety, and he knew always that his anxiety didn't have to control him in a negative way, when David stood before Goliath, he had already trained himself to be healthy, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So when Goliath shows up, David doesn't see him as a bigger problem than the problems he had before. He just sees it as another problem that God will conquer easily because he had been trained. He had trained his heart and his mind. So I want to challenge you with a question that you can start to use in your life. It's a, it's a question that can help you with your anxiety. So whatever brings us anxiety... We need to start asking this question. Is God bigger? Is God bigger? Now, just so you know, this isn't a question that you ponder and that you figure out. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is always yes. Yes. Is God bigger than American politics? Yes. Is God bigger than COVID? Yes. Is God bigger than your health problem? Yes. Is God bigger than your, the relationship you're struggling with? Yes. Is God bigger than blank? Whatever your anxiety is, put it in the blank. Here's what you need to know. God is bigger. It doesn't matter what you put in the blank. God is bigger. He's more powerful. He's smarter. He's kinder. He's more compassionate. He loves you more than what's in that blank. See, we got to start believing that God is bigger than anything we will ever encounter on this planet. Nothing even comes close to how good and how awesome our God is. See, we've got to start believing that God is bigger than anything on earth so that our faith in God goes up and our anxiety goes down so that our peace gets more peaceful and our worries 
fade away. That's number one. You've got to understand who God is fully. But the second reason we're often anxious is we don't understand our value in Christ fully. We don't understand our identity in Christ. We end up stuck because we don't understand who God is fully, and we don't understand who we are fully. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gets upset about this. Jesus is concerned about it because he sees people everywhere just walking around worried all the time. And it's because they don't know who they are. And so Jesus gives us this great section of verses about worry in Matthew chapter 6 to help us understand our value and our identity. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now that word worry is the same word as the word anxious. It's merimna. Okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to worry anymore. Go ahead. I'm not going to worry anymore. Okay? If you grew up with a worry wart, then you're struggling with this, right? Because now you're a second or third generation worry wart. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, right? We got to figure out why. I mean, how is it possible for me to not worry about anything in my life? Jesus tells us why. Don't worry about anything in your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then this very important, life-transforming, radical, powerful question that Jesus gives us. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than they? See, here's what Jesus noticed when he came to earth. We don't understand our value. We don't understand our worth. We don't understand our identity in Christ. And as a result, we're walking around aimlessly with no purpose, wondering, why am I here? What should I do with my life? It's interesting, one of the challenging things that counselors are having issues with right now is something called pre-life crisis. Pre-life crisis. Kids in their mid-20s going to counseling because they don't even know how to start life. Not midlife crisis, pre-life crisis. Why does that happen? Because you don't know your value. You don't know your identity. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, there's another problem. We have no faith in God. Because we don't know our value and our purpose and our identity. 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says the reason we worry and are anxious is because we don't understand how valuable we are to him. If you're right now living life without Jesus, I I understand why you're worried and anxious. Because you're doing life alone. You're doing life without your creator, without your heavenly father, without the spirit of the living God helping you to live life in this world. It makes sense. If If you're spiritually just not understanding how to get to Jesus and you're just spiritually trying to figure all this out, then you're struggling. You feel stuck. Go to bed at night feeling stuck. You wake up in the morning feeling stuck. But let me tell you something. You're not an accident. See, one of the problems with our world right now is we're telling everybody, you're an accident. You're just, a, you're just a piece of flesh and matter that got formed over millions of years. And this thinking leads to purposelessness. This thinking leads to not understanding your value. This thinking leads to you not understanding your identity and who you are. And so you're stuck just trying to figure out life. But when you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you start living for him, then you have this new understanding of your value and your identity because you begin to read the word and you begin to say, I am who you say I am. And God says, you are a child of the creator of the universe and this planet. You are special and I formed you and I fashioned you in your mother's womb. I knew you before the creation of the world and he loves you so much that he left heaven and came to earth, that's Christmas, and he died on a cross and rose from the dead, that's Easter, so that you and I wouldn't be stuck on this earth. We would have eternal life. See, when you understand your value and your identity, Jesus says, you won't worry or be anxious Because you'll know your heavenly father, your original papa, your OG, people. Come on, your OG loves you. And he died for you. And he's going to take care of you. Let let me show you what I'm talking about here. Let me show you with a couple pictures. Let me show you this first one right here. This is what I'm talking about right here. That's Papa and Gigi and little Jackson James. Look at him in this next one. Look at him with mom and dad, just chilling. Check out this last one. Here he is again in daddy's arms, just chilling. That's what Jesus is talking about right there. Does Jackson look freaked out to you? Does he look anxious? worried, then what happened to us when we became adults? How come we forgot that? Because we forgot our father. 
Because our culture and our world is telling us you don't need God. So we're all freaked out, anxious, worried, neurotic, and emotional, right? What is it? Freaked out, emotional, neurotic, and emotional. Fine. I'm fine. What? Insecure. Right. Freaked out, insecure, neurotical, and emotional. You are fine. You're, you're fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. We're not fine. Why? Because we don't understand God fully, and we don't know our value and identity fully in Christ. When we figure that out, the anxiousness will fall off us. Literally, it will fall off you. You, can, you won't even be able to find anything to be anxious about. When everybody else is running from the giants in life, you'll run towards them. When everyone else is freaked out, you'll say, ah, God's got this. Why are we freaking out? God's all over that. In fact, I just wake up every morning and say, God's got it. I, I don't have to worry about anything today. He's got it. Your homework for this week is... To think more highly about God and yourself. This is one of the keys to anxiety. Think more highly about God and yourself. Because you're special. You're created in the image of God. Remember what Genesis said. When God creates everything else, he says it's good. When he created you, it's what? Very good. Very good. We have to understand these things. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have an answer for the things in this life. And right now, Lord, one of the things that we are all being challenged with everywhere around the world is anxiety. We're all anxious. COVID has just become like a, a blanket of worry a blanket of fear. We're all stuck in this cycle of negativity. Jesus, I want to pray that you would help, help us that know you and believe in you and understand you, that live in the promises of your word to not get stuck. Help us not to get stuck in this negativity that our world is in right now. Help us to see that God... You are powerful. You are huge and you are big and you do all things for us. Help us to understand who we are, that I am who you say I am and you say I am special. I pray that every single person listening to my voice right now would understand that, that they are special. There might be some of you as well that are out there. Maybe you're sitting in this room right now. Maybe you're going to watch me live or maybe you're going to watch me later. And you, you don't know Jesus as your Savior yet. I want to encourage you. This is the key to starting the battle for your anxiety is believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. So wherever you're at right now, it's, it's very simple. All you have to do is talk to him. Just tell Jesus you believe in him. Confess your sin to him. Con confess all the things that you just said. Jesus, here's the things I'm really not good at and I'm not good at following you at. And just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me. You came back to life. And you want to place your Holy Spirit in me. 
so that I might be someone that fully believes in you. If that's where you're at right now, I just want to encourage you to say that prayer and talk to God like that and believe in him. If you do and when you do, you'll begin to be on a new path, a lot like what you saw Gabe and Taylor on. And you'll be ready to conquer all things and to live in the peace of God instead of being stuck in anxiety. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming this morning. It was great to see you again. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.